Pastor Chris's podcast. I apologize for the uh, problems with today's audio. There are a few things that were missing in the message um, that didn't get recorded yesterday during the sermon, and so I'm having to fix those. And so you may hear some places in the podcast today that have some odd-sounding clips added in, and that's just me trying to fix some things that were missing in the recording um, so that it, the message makes sense. Um, they're, they're only a few seconds here and there. Thankfully, the, the audio was actually pretty good yesterday. It's just a few things that got cut out, and so I tried to fix those today. So I uh, appreciate your bearing with me on this, and hope you enjoy the message today and that it speaks to you. God bless. So today I'm going to finish up this uh, theme, all of these themes from the Vacation Bible School curriculum. And uh, we have been learning throughout this that Jesus' power helps us. Jesus' power helps us do hard things, gives us hope, helps us be bold, and helps us live forever. And today I want to say that Jesus' power helps us to be good friends. Say that with me. Jesus' power helps us be good friends. So I want to read to you from John chapter 15 and verse 12, where it says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. It is essential that Christians love one another and stick together. And if Jesus said that everyone would know that we are Christians by the way we love each other. He didn't say that they would know us by the way we dress or how we fix our hair or even what kind of building we worship in. He said they will know you are Christians by the way you love each other. And so we have to always come back to that again and again and again. Christians must love each other. And love requires us to stick together and to be together. You cannot live out your faith in Jesus Christ all by yourself. People were created to be together. And you know, and this is a... This is a misunderstanding that many people have in our world today, in America especially, because people have this idea and they will sometimes tell you, well, don't ask me about my faith, don't ask me about my religion, because that's something that's private, that's something that's between me and God. And um, a lot of people feel that, you know, there's no, it's not really necessary to go to church or to be part of a church. I can be a follower of Jesus and I can do that all by myself. Um, that's the way a lot of people think, but I don't think that that's true because that's not the way Jesus designed us to be, and that's not the way Jesus set up the church to be either. And one of the hardest things that we have found during this pandemic is all of the isolation, at least for us in the church. Because even if you are an introvert who, who enjoys your alone time, you still need to be together with other people. This is the way God designed us to be. And so when we are stuck at home for, for a long time, it, you know, you get stir crazy and you begin to crave the company of other people. You need that. That's the way God designed us to be. And um, one of the things that we find difficult in a church, in a congregation that is used to being together, is, you know, when we come to church, we, we crave that 
that togetherness. And we don't even know what are we supposed to do. You know, when the church service is over and everybody's going out the doors, we, you know, we're just so accustomed to shaking each other's hands or hugging each other's necks. I mean, because this is what we feel that we need to do. And as a society, right now, we're all kind of in this awkward phase where we don't know how are we supposed to greet each other. You know, we are we supposed to shake hands or bump fists or are we supposed to bow to each other like we do in, in, in some Asian countries? Or you know, we need to learn how to just to greet one another in these social norms that have been sort of lost through all of this. God designed us to be together. Humanity finds its strength as we are together. You know, have you ever thought about this that Jesus is the Son of God. He, the, the Gospel of John tells us that He was with God in the beginning. He was God and He created everything that is. The Son of God who created the universe came to earth. He didn't need any help from people. And yet He called together 12 disciples. Why did He do that? Think how much easier would it have been for Jesus just to do it all by Himself? You know, some things are just easier to do by yourself. Um, because other people can sometimes get in the way. And other people have personality conflicts, behavioral things that get on your nerves. Can you imagine the 12 disciples? You know, you know, James and John, I think, were brothers. And you know how brothers can be. They get on each other's nerves. You know, and they start complaining to their mom and to their dad. He's looking at me. Well, what else is he supposed to do? I was in the car with uh, my two daughters, Grace and Abigail, one time. And, and Grace was just aggravated at her pesky little sister. And she yells out, Mom, she's breathing. I'm like, thank God she's breathing because we'd have a real big problem if she wasn't. But what she was trying to express was that she didn't like the sound of her sister breathing, right? I mean, we're people and we get on each other's nerves. And I know those 12 disciples all got on each other's nerves. And Jesus could have just easily come down to this earth and used the power of God. He could have snapped his fingers and fixed all of the problems that we face. But he didn't do it that way. Instead, he got together 12 people and he did it with them. He did it together. And then he set up the church and he said, I want you to work together to make disciples of Jesus Christ and share my love with people all over the world. So I guess it's, it, there's something essential about us doing this together. Jesus established the church to be a family of believers united to support one another with friendship as we tell the world about Jesus. Now I want to read you a few scriptures that give you a picture of what that ideal church was like. The first one comes from Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47 where it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see in this a picture of the early church being together. And then we go on to Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 35. We see another picture. All of the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So again, we are seeing the unity of the church. So that so they were so committed to each other that those who had extra would sell what they had and use that extra to help those who were in need. Now that's deep commitment to each other. And that was because they knew that's what God wanted. These early Christians were vastly outnumbered. Most of the people around them did not believe in Jesus or even care to show love, kindness, or goodness. We've come to take those principles, those virtues for granted because we have lived in a society that is based upon Christian values. But that was not the case before Christianity became so widespread across the world. And so these, this small group of Christians, only about 5,000 people that lived in a city of over 200,000, was a bright light in a dark, dark world. This small band of believers needed to stick together and support one another in order to survive. In some ways, it may have been easier for them to stick together than it is for us. I mean, there wasn't a pandemic on the loose like we've been facing where health officials are telling us to stay in our homes and stay six feet apart and all of these kinds of things and don't gather in public gatherings. They didn't deal with that. Or did they? You realize that pandemics, this COVID-19 pandemic is not the first pandemic the world has ever faced. In fact, Christians in the first century faced pandemics as well. And some of the, the plagues that the world experienced throughout the centuries have been far worse, far more deadly than what we are facing right now. I was watching a documentary on Netflix uh, a few days ago that was talking about the Black Death. And they were saying that in some communities, this plague came in and killed 80 to 90% of the people that lived in the community. Now imagine that. If you've got a community that has 10,000 people in it and you kill 8,000 or 9,000 people, can you imagine what that did? I mean, whole families were being wiped out. Parents were, were dying and leaving little children that were two or three years old and not old enough to take care of themselves. And you would think, well, their grandmother would take over or their neighbor would take over, but they had died too. So a lot of times kids were dying not of the plague, but of being neglected because there was no one left to take care of them. We can't imagine things like that. And scholars have often said that they believe one of the things that contributed to the rise of Christianity through the first few centuries was the fact that Christians stuck together through these terrible plagues. Whereas everyone else that was not a believer was so frightened and so overwhelmed that they just, they, they abandoned each other and they abandoned their families and they abandoned their friends, the Christians 
tended to stick together. They were willing to die for one another, to lay down their life for one another. So even though people were getting sick and were dying of this disease and were catching it from one another, the Christians would not abandon each other. And that meant two things would happen. Number one, Christians tended to survive death from these plagues at a higher rate than those who were not Christians because their faith made them stronger. Their commitment to one another made them stronger. And secondly, if you were not a Christian and you saw these other Christians loving each other to the point of death and caring for each other, and perhaps these Christians were even helping to take care of you even though they owed you nothing, it was a very powerful testimony to you that maybe, just maybe, there was something very, very good and honorable and essential about this Christian faith. And so many people converted to Christianity because of the way Christians carried themselves through very dark times. So in some ways, perhaps it was easier for Christians to stick together in the first century, but maybe it's easier for us. We have a lot of tools that they didn't have. In the midst of social isolation and disruptions from COVID-19, we have phones and we can pick up a telephone and we can call someone and check on them. We can send a text message and see how they are doing. We can get together on Facebook. We can even use software like Zoom to all gather together in a virtual room and have uh, some time of togetherness. So we have tools that they didn't have. Are we using our technology? to stick together, to build our friendships? Is sticking together as a family of Christ a top priority for us as it was for those early Christians? What are you doing to stay connected? What will you do in the days ahead? I was with a group of pastor friends here in this community um, this past week. And we were talking about how important it is for pastors to support one another because we're under tremendous pressure right now. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter how strong you are as a Christian. If you're all by yourself, you're very, very vulnerable. When we are together, we're very strong. But when we are apart, we are very vulnerable. And, you know, a lot of people look at pastors and they think, well, pastors are, you know, they're very spiritual, they're very devoted, they're very strong in their faith, and so maybe they can survive things. But what we were talking about as pastors is how during this time, there's so much pressure on pastors because all of the uh, normal things we do in the church are all been thrown out the window and it's under disruption. And a lot of churches, thankfully, at, at Pleasant Grove, we've been blessed and you've been very generous. But many churches are struggling to pay the bills and things because people aren't coming to church and they're not making offerings and, and they're struggling to, to keep the doors open. And um, even though pastors may, you, maybe you look at pastors and think, well, they're particularly strong people. Right now we're finding that a lot of pastors are breaking under the pressure because they're trying to do it all by themselves. And I've heard this analogy before and, and I, I thought about it as I'm thinking about this message. You know, if you take a pencil, one single pencil, it's really easy to snap it in two, right? I mean, anybody can do that. Really easy. But if you get 
one pencil, and you put it with another pencil, and you put it with another pencil, and you put it with a bunch of pencils together. That's a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Because one Christian by themselves can easily be broken. But if you put all of those Christians together, you can't break them. When we stick together, we are incredibly strong. We are much stronger together than any of us are by ourselves. And that's why it is so important that we stick together as a church. Jesus' power helps us to stick together and to be good friends. Say that with me. Jesus' power helps us be good friends. Since Jesus wants us to be good friends, His Holy Spirit helps us to be good friends. If we're willing to follow the Spirit's guidance, then we can make friends, we can be friends, and we can help our friends grow closer and closer to Jesus. Now, we've already heard several ideas about how to be good friends. I hope you've noticed that through the service. You know, in the liturgy, in the responsive reading, we were reading, we were, we were learning about what it means to be friends. In David's song, we were hearing about being good friends. But I want to share with you five simple tips about how to make good Christian friends. First of all, you need to pray about it. Because maybe you already have some Christian friends. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to make new ones. And as you go throughout your day, it may be that God brings someone across your path that he wants you to be a friend to. And who knows where that may go. Are your eyes open to it? Are you praying that God shows you who to be a friend to? Secondly, as part of that, you have to understand that God wants you to make new friends, but all friends don't have to be deep friends. There are different levels of friendship. You don't have to feel bad about that. That's just normal. When I, uh, my best friend uh, is Eddie Bradford, and we've been friends for, gosh, about 25 years. I met Eddie when I was just like 20 years old and started going to East Cobb United Methodist Church. Um, I was a counselor and he was the youth director at the church and I was a volunteer counselor with the youth group. And um, one day, Eddie was in, was in the process of becoming a pastor. And one of the things that he had to do as part of that process is he had to call around and ask people that he worked with in the church to give feedback about how he was doing. And he called me and asked me, you know, what were some of the things that he was doing well and what were some of the things that he could work on? And, well, I just thought, well, you know, he needs some good feedback. So I told him some things that I thought he was doing well. And he was really doing a good job. And I shared with him a few things I thought he could do better. And he really appreciated that. And, you know, he told me, he says, well, you know, of all the people I've called, you're the only person that gave me any um, critical feedback. He said, most people just told me, oh, you're doing a great job. And I didn't know that that was the birth of uh, our friendship. And after that, he continued to, you know, we continued to grow closer. We, we started out, it was just a surface relationship. But as time went on, we 
developed more and more trust with one another. We enjoyed each other's company. We worked together. And to this day, we have been friends through many incredibly difficult times. His brother passed away at one point, and I was there with him. He was there for me when my wife and I had a, a miscarriage. And, um, he, you know, through things like that, through good times and bad times, um, we've been together. Different friendships are at different levels, and that's okay. You need to understand and pray about what is the level of depth of your friendship so that you know how much to trust, how much um, to share with that person. So pray about it. And number two, be honest with your don't try to impress other people simply for the sake of trying to earn their friendship. Because if someone's going to be a true friend, then it's someone who's going to accept you as you are for who you are. You shouldn't need to pretend to be someone else. So just be authentic and have integrity. Number three, be selfless. It's not about what your friend can do for you. It's a what, what you can do for them what you can give to each other. Understand? So remember that. And number four, be vulnerable. Be willing to be open and vulnerable with them because when you do, it builds a, 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 an instant connection with that person. They, you know, when you are vulnerable with someone else, they receive that and they care about that. Now, this goes back to number one. Remember, praying about your friendships, praying about what level of friendship you have. Now, you're not going to be completely open and honest and everything about everything to the very core of your being with someone you just met yesterday. You haven't built that trust yet. You have to build trust and build the friendship. And, you know, when you are being vulnerable and open with people, understand that not every friend is at the same level. So be prayerful about how you open up. But you ought to have, you ought to develop friendships with certain people that you can go down to the very core with and you can open up about anything. Knowing that you can trust them, that they're not going to talk about you behind your back, that they truly do love you and care for you and are going to take your vulnerable information and treat it with respect and care. So understand that too. And number five, of course, is have fun. Having fun is fun, but it's even more than that. When we have fun together, it cements our relationship um, and bonds us together. It knits our hearts together. And that's why, as a church family, as I said earlier, we, we wanted to do things together. And these family fellowship events are times for us to have fun together. And it's not a, a little thing to have fun together. That's important. It weaves, our, it weaves the cords of our lives together. So we hope that you will come out for that. Now, when we think about friendship, you're going to think about reaching in and also reaching out, especially when it comes to the church. We need to have good as Christian believers, we need to have good, solid Christian friendships. People, friendships with people who share 
the most important values in our life. And as Christians, our most important value is that Jesus Christ is our Lord and He is our Savior. And we are seeking to grow to be more like Him. We are seeking to fulfill His mission on earth. And so we need Christian friends that share those values, that those are priorities for them. They help to keep us on track. So we need to reach into our church to find those friendships. But that doesn't mean that we only reach in. We also reach outside of the church to make friends as well. Just like those early Christians who struggled through things like the Black Death, they didn't just take care of other Christians. They also take, took care of people who were not Christians. Because this is what Christ calls us to do, is to love one another. And even to love our enemies and to love people who are different from us. And so, if we are going to reach out of the church, we have to reach out to new people. And be honest with them and authentic with them. And invite them into a relationship with us. And maybe they don't always think the same way as we do or share the same values. But... Perhaps Christ is calling us to lead them to Christ so that they do have the same values as us. So I would say that the majority of your friends ought to be people who, if you are a Christian, the majority of your friends ought to be Christian as well. But there might also be others who are not Christian or who are not yet Christian that God is calling you to be a friend to. And by being a friend to them, um, you might help them to find not only a friend in you, but also a friend in Jesus Christ. So think about that. And I would leave you with this question as we take a moment to reflect. How is the Spirit of God guiding you to be a good friend this week? How is the Spirit of God guiding you to be a good friend this week? Two are better than one. When one falls down, the other can lift him up. Jesus showed us how to be a friend by breaking bread, then raising his cup. Three is better than two Jesus said love each other as I loved you you might be the answer God has sent to help pull somebody through blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love the Ship of kindred minds is like to that above. Four is better than three, and we could keep this up until infinity. Making new friends in Christ on earth will be friends we keep for eternity. A friend will keep you on track. They will set you straight, but they've got your back. Friends are there when walls start caving in and foundations crumble and crack. From sorrow, toil, and pain. 
हैं 